Watch Podcast. Hello there and a very warm welcome back to Hodge on Nodge. We're asking, are you ready for battle, sergeants? And that's because I felt it would have been remiss of me if I hadn't given Josh Sargent some billing alongside all of the other summer signings. And to give that knowledge, that impression of what he's like, I have, I'm delighted to see Kevin Hatcher, who's one of the fine voices on the Bundesliga World Feed commentary. Kevin, thank you very much for joining us. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, really good. Excited about the new season. Great to be on the show. Excellent. Who do you follow? An English team yourself? Just quickly. Uh, I'm a Liverpool fan, so uh, cautiously optimistic about the new season. <laughs> yes, and of course, it's, you've got the you've got the hardest challenge of all. First up, a trip to Carroll Road. Are you quaking in your boots? That's it. Just as they <laughs> well, they played him uh, first up a couple of seasons ago, didn't they? So that went yeah. okay. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was at Anfield, and you know what? Liverpool were amazing that season. So we're quickly consigning that one to the memory books if we're if we're Norwich City fans. So what we're going to do, guys? Please let me know if you're there in the comments. Say hello, and of course, if you do enjoy this podcast, then please like, share it. Uh, on whatever medium, whether it's listening to the podcast or watching live with us, as many of you are right now. So thank you for sparing your time to do that. Now, what we're going to do is me and Kevin are going to quickly blast through some questions on Josh Sargent, a quick fire Q&A to get an impression of what he's like. And then Connor Southwell is going to be joining us and Connor will be telling us a bit about how he thinks the team are shaping up heading into the new season. And then later on tonight, I will promo this at the end again, but I'm doing a Twitter Spaces at three o'clock with Michael Bailey, which gives you your chance to listen to what we think and then tell us what you think. So, aye, a vat of Hodge on Nodge content right now. But let's get right into it, Kevin. Anything you want to ask me before we start or should we just go for it? No, let's just go for it. I'm ready. Ex excellent stuff. Ready. So, first question is, and this is quite a basic one, what kind of player are Norwich City getting in Josh Sargent? Getting a hard worker, getting somebody who is very much a team player, somebody that will always make the runs that you require him to make, somebody that will always try and put a shift in defensively, and someone that coaches rate very highly, and now it's time to kind of deliver on that promise. Mm, interesting. Just to pick up on the coaches thing, why, why is it you think they like him so much? Is it a question of his endeavour or what, what does he bring to the table that coaches seem to like? I think it is mentality and I think that is important. You listen to the way that Florian Kofeld, his old coach of Werder Bremen, talked about him. He would talk about him being a complete striker and somebody that he felt could go to the very top. It's been difficult for him in a dysfunctional team that went down last season. But there has always been that feeling that coaches really like what he brings to the table. Mm -hmm. There does seem to be, generally speaking, some cautious optimism among Norwich fans as, as to as to him as a player, and and that obviously will hopefully be be something that kind of proves to be borne out over his time at Norwich City. What would you say his best attributes are? I do think work right. I know that sounds boring. But, you know, you want somebody who will consistently work with and without the ball. And I think Daniel Farker demands that, doesn't he? He wants that, uh, that ethic uh, in his players. And I do think there isn't just work ethic to him. He's got some nice touches as well. You've seen goals that he scored where you thought, wow, OK, there was one goal against Augsburg that was a lovely lift 
over the goalkeeper. And he has that in his locker. But we just need to see that a little bit more often, I think. Excellent stuff. Conversely to that, what do you think he needs to work on? Goal scoring. Simple as that. He needs to score more goals. Uh, He needs to get into areas where he can be more dangerous. I think sometimes the temptation is to chase around a lot outside the penalty area, but I'd like to see him consistently between the posts and scoring goals because you look at his goal-scoring record over the past few seasons, and if you're talking about a really promising striker, it's not really up to that level. So that's the leap I'd like to see him make. So... Obviously, people are thinking of him primarily as a striker, but he does have versatility to play in different slots. Can you tell us about that? He can play wide, and he did that for Verder on a few occasions. I never think you get as much out of him in those wide areas because he's not the kind of guy that's going to dance past three people and leave them trailing in his way. He's a runner, but he's not necessarily somebody who's going to dribble out of those tight spaces all the time. So I prefer him through the centre. But again, he's the kind of guy that if you ask him to do a job out wide as a two-way player going forward and doing his work defensively, he'll do it. Good stuff. Um, Ollie Middleton, just kind of on the, the, the finishing side of things, he says there have been a lot of mentions that he's not a great finisher. Have there been some calamitous misses or just his goal record generally that suggests it? No, I think it just comes down to the number of goals he scored. I don't think of him as somebody who's horrible in front of goal by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> and he has, scored some, he has scored some really nice goals. And what I've wanted to see for a long time is to see how he does with better players around him and a team that's doing well. So what you would hope is that Norwich make a good start and that he has lots of opportunities in a team that's playing well. If it doesn't go the way that Norwich fans want, and they're in a battle again, you know that he'll go to war with you. You know that he's the kind of player that will roll you know, roll his sleeves up and fight. But I'd like to see him in a team where he has lots of chances, where he has a team that's going to dominate a few games, just to see if he can go up a level and score goals. But in terms of being used to the relegation battle, absolutely he's there. It's going to be tough for us, given the opening, uh, to, to to get those points. But if we can get one big win, hopefully starting with Liverpool, no offence, mate, then that would be that would be great. And um, people are reckoning it's a big coup getting you on. So um, that's, that's <laughs> feathering feather in the cap there. Um, thank you very much for all of the comments coming in. I will try and ask some of the questions that you're asking. So a lot of... A lot of stuff then about the fact that he's not a great finisher. You're saying it's down to his goal record alone. So what is it? Is he not getting in the box enough? Is he one of those players, you know, the type where it's like, give him 10 seconds running clean through to think about it. And he he kind of boxes himself in and misses the chance. Is he more instinctive? What's, what's there to work on, really? It's difficult because, again, it's hard not to come back to this idea that he was playing in a team that simply weren't scoring enough goals. And there weren't the creative players in that team that could really give him the ammunition. And so there have been moments when he's missed chances that he should have done better with. There's there's no doubt about that. There have been, you know, headed chances and chances at a far post coming in that you've thought, oh, really, he could and should have done better there. But I think as well, when you're in a team where you know it's going to take a while for the next chance to arrive, the temptation is to snatch at those chances. And I think if he knew there were chances coming along every five or ten minutes, he'd relax a bit more. So, again, a new environment, a new coach, a new team, 
might be the making of him, but we just don't know at this stage. Yeah, that's true. And Daniel Farke is someone that can, can coax things out of players, but obviously Norwich City, Premier League, there's a chance, there's definitely going to be some games where chances are at a premium. So, yeah, I mean, there's there, there's positives and negatives in that, I would suggest. How much of a miss will he be to Werder Bremen? A huge miss because, you know, he is somebody that I think in Bundesliga 2 could have done a real job for them. Uh, and again, I would have liked to have seen in a league where Werder probably would dominate more games, how he would have got on. Would he have been a 15-20 goal scorer at that level? So they'll miss him, but I think they always knew that he was going to move on. I think they probably expected to lose him even if they'd stayed up in the Bundesliga last season. And once they'd gone down... There was absolutely no way that he was going to stay. And I think that was the case for Miller Rashica as well. I mean, I know we're talking about Josh Sargent, but I think Rashica is a really interesting case because there's a lot to like there. But equally, there were a lot of games when Fed were really struggling in the last couple of seasons where he didn't really show what he was all about. Uh, and that was a disappointment. So I kind of put Miller and Josh in, in the same bracket in the sense that, you know, there's talent there. Uh, you know this quality. Maybe Milot Rashid is a bit more unpredictable, uh, a bit more skillful, but you just want to see them deliver that consistently. I think they can, but it's whether they will. Nice contrast between them in terms of the types of players they are and and the, the kind of identity that, that you're talking about, and definitely positionally as well. I'm wondering how well they dovetail. So how how good is their relationship on the field, off the field? What do you know about it? Well, I think, you know, they know each other very well. They've played a lot of games together. Rashica is a much more instinctive player, I think. He's somebody that will drift in and out of a game, but out of nothing will smash one in the top corner from 25 yards. And that's why they call him Rocket Rashica, because, you know, he can hammer one in from range, great free kick taker, somebody that can change a game in an instant. Josh hasn't really shown us that yet in terms of being a match winner with just one moment of brilliance. But he's a much more consistent player in the way he approaches the game, maybe. So in terms of them working together, there have been moments where you'd see Rashica drift in field, Sergeant make the run down the channel and Rashica would play him in. But again, it was all part of this team that generally in the last couple of seasons has really struggled. Mm. And so chances to actually make that kind of thing happen have been few and far between. How much would you put their relegation down to him not scoring goals? I think it'd be very harsh to kind of put it on his shoulders. Uh, I think there were systemic problems with that team. I think there were injury problems. I think the financial issues meant that they couldn't recruit in the way that they wanted to recruit. And so it was a bit of a perfect storm, really. The pandemic hit them hard. They had big financial losses. It would have been lovely if he'd scored more goals and that would have made a tangible difference because they didn't go down by much in the end. And I guess what you would say is when the team really dropped like a stone in the final weeks of the season. Josh wasn't really able to put his hand up and, and score those goals. But again, you come back to the idea that if he doesn't get the service, you're asking a lot. So if Norwich fans are expecting a guy who's going to slalom past three or four players and smash one in the bottom corner, that's not really what you're going to get. But if you want somebody who'll run the channels, who'll work hard, will try and hold the ball up, will try and do what the coach wants him to do, then absolutely that's what you've got. What's the best positional setup in terms of if you're trying to incorporate Rashidza and Sargent into the team? 
I think Rashica always looks more dangerous when he's coming in off the left, when he's in that inside left channel. That's where he liked to operate at times uh, for Werder Bremen. I think one thing that's interesting is that they can both be quite a danger on the counter-attack. Rashica is brilliant when the mm -hmm. game is broken down. So when there's space to operate, when he can really run at a defence that's scrambling, that's where I think he comes alive. And with Josh's ability to run the channels and his pace, that can be quite dangerous as well when he's making those runs in behind and when maybe a defence is a little bit disorganised. So uh, I think whichever formation, whichever approach they take, it's about creating spaces when you win the ball and then Rashica can really move. That, that That's good to hear because I think Norwich City are going to play a 4-3-3 more often than not this season. And I think that's designed with the idea that we're going to be more of a threat in the counter rather than having yeah. to dominate possession, which I think is wishful thinking <laughs> in yeah. the Premier League for a, for a club with, with our resources. In, in terms of the relationship with Werder Bremen fans, was it strong, would you say, for Sargent? Yeah, yeah, because I think they recognise that he worked hard for the club, that he was always willing to show up and do his best. I, I think there was an acceptance that the team wasn't doing well. I think there was an acceptance that he didn't score enough goals because he simply didn't get enough chances to. But in terms of him being a player that the fans didn't trust or didn't like, that's absolutely not the case. As far as I'm aware and as far as I could see, he was a popular guy. Excellent stuff. Uh, we got a question in earlier from Neil Luther. It was, uh, who would you compare Sergeant with as a player? So he says, i.e. Grant Holt-esque. But I think we'll widen that. I mean, you could pick an Norwich City player, but maybe one that just Premier League fans will know. If you were to compare Josh Sargent to, to one player in particular, is there anyone whose game you think his is reminiscent of? It's always really difficult, that, because <laughs> you look at his skill set it's difficult to kind of put him in a box with another player because, and you don't want to kind of set that bar for him because what I think is really important actually for him and for Daniel Farker and the way that he deals with him is that you almost need to give him a clean slate. You almost need mm -hmm. to say, there's a lot we liked in the scouting department in terms of work rate, running the channels, in terms of what you can do when you get chances, but we're starting again. This is how I want you to operate in the way we play. I want you to forget the fact you've just been relegated. I want you to forget the fact that you haven't really scored enough goals in your career so far. It's interesting, the Cameron Jerome thing, and I've heard that a few times, actually. Yeah, he sounds like Cameron that, Jerome for a, for a lot of other yeah, times, I think. I, I think that's fair. You know, Cameron was somebody who'd always work, somebody who'd always show up, but he wasn't maybe the regular goal scorer you would have always wanted him to be. And so... I think if you have a season where Josh has maybe got five, six, seven Premier League goals in his first season, I don't think that's anything to panic about as long as he's playing a role for the team. Is he going to be somebody who's going to pop up with 20 goals? I seriously doubt that this season. I'd be gobsmacked, quite frankly, if he does. But he's a young guy with a lot to learn and they might have got somebody who's just at the start of the journey rather than the end. Well, that's what Norwich City are good at. They're good at developing players. Someone, I get the impression, that makes others around him a bit better with his endeavour, his work rate and the positions he takes up. Yeah, he's always he's always going to type defenders. He's always going to drag people out of positions. Uh, and then it's about other players making the most of that. So, yeah, I think there are 
a, a lot of things that he does that won't show up on the final balance sheet, if you like, in terms of yeah. goals and assists. So it's then about how do we get you changing games for us in the long term? Quick one. Is he good in the air? That was another one from the comments. Not especially from what I have seen. Certainly not something that has stood out to me. And certainly in front of goal, there have been chances that I recall that he's not been particularly dominant in the air. He's not the biggest of guys, but that is something that I think he can work on. And there's definitely, I think the overall thing to think about, Sergeant, is there's definitely something there, but it's something that does need dragging out of him. You you see moments every few games where you think, ah, okay, that's what the coaches are seeing. I just want to see that a little bit more. Did he have a nickname in Germany? Because Kenny McLean on Norwich City Social Channels has already dubbed him Screech after the Save by the Bell character. Saved by the Bell character, easy for me to say. So, um, aye, was there a nickname in Germany? I'm loving the uh, I'm loving the Screech. That that's great. Actually, it's great, uh, isn't it? It was hilarious, man. I was absolutely gutting myself for about ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see that. I can see that. Um, they, they the papers did dub him the Red Baron at one stage because Ooh. obviously the the flame hair and as mm. a kind of uh, German based ace, uh, they dubbed him the Red Baron. So uh, uh, we'll see if he lives up to that in the next few years. I like that. Now, final one to finish. Anyone who and and there's been loads of positive comments for yourself, Kev, on the um on, on the comments feed. What Bundesliga world feed commentators do, and speaking as a commentator myself, is something that I really enjoy. As you guys are really good at providing narrative, providing story about these players. So essentially humanising these football stars that are in front of your eyes, because a lot of people sometimes just think of them as um, almost as if it's a kind of mechanical operation, that they're just doing their stuff. But these are people as well. And you guys are really good at telling the stories of these guys as people. So do you have a couple of quirky factoids or or anything about Josh Sargent that we might not already know yet? I think one of the things when he was obviously a lot younger was that they realised just how good he was because he'd be scoring, you know, loads of goals at the age of like four and five and things like that. And he'd be like way too good for the level that he was playing at. So they realised like just how good he was at that young age. I think his sister's a nurse. She's been doing incredible work back in St. Louis, which is where he's from uh, during the pandemic. So uh, she's been doing a terrific job. Uh, And I know uh, they've been uh, kind of communicating a lot. And it's been really hard because this is what we forget. You know, COVID has meant that travel's been pretty much impossible. Players have had to work really, really hard in terms of sticking to the rules. The only reason the Bundesliga was able to come back was because the clubs worked ever so hard at putting together what was a 51-page document in the end. And they had to follow mm-hmm. all those rules. And uh, Florian Kofeld, who was his coach for a long time at Werder Bremen, said that he hadn't seen any of his family. He hadn't been able to kind of have people around. His, his kids hadn't been able to see their friends. And you had to be really, really stringent. So, you know, we think sometimes of footballers as being pampered and having a lifestyle which is, you know, way beyond what we have. But they actually had to stick to the rules even more closely than many of us did to mm. actually make things happen. So to have been separated from his family back in, in St. Louis, you know, would have been very, very hard, I imagine, uh, for him. So considering he's a young guy and he's had all that pressure, I think we have to kind of bear that in mind as well. 
yeah, this connection's not doing me any favours. I'm going to swap to a wired connection. But just as I do that, Kev, are you able to tell people where they can find you um, before I do my quick substitution? Uh, yeah, so uh, they can find me uh, on Twitter at Kevin Hatcher, which is a very imaginative uh, handle. I'll be on the Bundesliga World Feed uh, on TV throughout the season, which I think is getting used by Sky Sports. So you probably hear me uh, now and again on there as well. And I pop up on TalkSport a fair bit uh, with European football here and there. Now, entertainingly enough, the second half of this, because of those connection problems, I had some issues with the audio. So what I've chosen to do is, for the audio version of the podcast, we're going to stick to the quick Q&A about Josh Sargent. However, if you wish to see the second half of the podcast that I alluded to with Connor Southwell, where he gave his ratings for the signings this season and where we spoke about about the Liverpool game that we're all looking forward to so much, then I would urge you to go to youtube.com slash Hodgie the Hack. That's H-O-D-G-E-Y the Hack. Remember, if you have enjoyed this podcast, I would be really, really grateful if you could share it, if you could subscribe, and of course, give it a wee rating on your podcast platform. Five stars would make me very happy. But thank you to you all for listening and engaging with all of my content, whether that be the Christos Cholis pod, which I did yesterday, or this one. Apologies for the audio issues, but as I say, you can find the full version on YouTube. So please get over there. And if you enjoy the podcast on here, then please remember to subscribe on YouTube as well, because it's all about as many people hearing this as possible. That's why I do these. So thank you very much, and I'll see you soon on The Ball City.